The Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, the podcast that's seen the future and is starting to get a bit excited. That's right, FM22 is imminent. I spent the weekend playing a preview version and uh, I liked what I saw. So, what's new? What's changed? What hasn't changed? Will you like it? Will you hate it? We're going to give it the deep dive today. But I am not doing this alone. Joining me today for the second week in a row, it's Kevin Chapman, Aka Lalujo of the YouTube. Kevin, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Am I officially co-host now? Is this it? Am I just here every week from now on? <laughs> well, you know what? We've got an in-house rule that once you made your third appearance, you're officially a friend of the show. So like, <laughs> uh, right now, you're kind of a, an acquaintance of the show. Okay, I can cope with being an acquaintance. Just one more appearance and, it, and it's yours. Hooray! But also, I mean, two weeks in a row, we are going to have to start charging you rent at some point. Uh, let's not do uh, well, that. Well, I was waiting, though, I was waiting still... to negotiate my salary. Let's, we can have these <laughs> discussions off air. <laughs> oh, I tell you, people have got very funny ideas of The Athletic. You know, you offer one journalist a big wage and everyone piles in. <laughs> Kevin, how, how was your weekend? I bet it was a, a little bit like mine. It was. It sounds very similar to yours. Yeah, I, I have played really rather a lot of the alpha build that we were sent through. I've had a couple of videos that have come out on it as well, showing some of my first impressions. But in fact, Steam can tell me how many hours deep I am already. I'm already 12 hours deep in FM22 and really, really enjoying it. Nice. Uh, we should stress at this point that the version that, that me and Kevin have played is not the version that will be released at some point before November 9th as a beta version. Uh, it's not finished. There are a few things in the match engine they wanted to change. Um, and we really got it as, you know, very late status update in, in where they are. So everything that we say about this, we, we have to be very clear, is based on an alpha version and not a complete version. All that being said, I've seen alpha versions in the past and they haven't been anywhere near as complete as this. But the funny thing, I noticed on, on Twitter uh, over the last couple of days, a, f a few people were getting a bit of flack because they'd had an advanced version and people were kind of, well, why have they got one and I haven't one? It, it's a mixed blessing, isn't it, Kevin? Because you get it, but it's because it's not ready to go, you can't really get into a career. Yeah, absolutely that. I've, I think I'm on my fifth save now where I'm literally just starting it up and looking for the new features. It's not really a case of let's start a save that I'm going to stick into for the next however many seasons because you do know things are going to change. And even in the beta, I've never been one to start a long-term save when the beta comes out because I kind of want the, the finished version that I do my big save on. So I've just been loading up different saves in different leagues and hunting for the new features just to see how they work in game. My plan was to start a Newcastle save, but the takeover hasn't gone through in this version. It's still Mike Ashley and, <laughs> and anyone who's ever managed Newcastle on any version of FM over the past 14 years will will know how incredibly destructive it is for the soul to work under those <laughs> circumstances. So so it's uh, it's like you get it and you get to see it. It's, it's like getting to sniff your dinner, but you're not really allowed mm. to eat it yet. So if, if anyone is feeling a bit jealous, I really really wouldn't be but it's it, I mean it was great to sort of see it in action and and see all the changes was, was there anything that that jumped out for you uh, the big thing for me because I was I panicked when they started talking about Gagan Press potentially being nerfed in the new game so that instilled me with great fear because I've relied on it a lot over the last 
several versions of the game. So I've kind of tried different clubs at different levels just to test the theory, just to see if Gagan Press is as broken as we were warned that it might be. And I, it's kind of good news, bad news. I tried it with Borussia Dortmund and Erling Haaland up front. And believe it or not, it works fine with them. It's lovely. <laughs> I tried it a little bit lower down with Peterborough in the championship and we had some highs. I beat West Brom 7-0, which I thought was quite pleasant. But very quickly, by like October of that save, I think I had about eight members of the first team injured and nobody was ever fully fit for match day. And then I dropped a little bit further down into League Two and yeah, it's a mess at that level. So I think they've kind of pitched it exactly where it probably should be because obviously you can't in non-league do a Gagan press and expect it to work the same way it would at the top tier and that's kind of what the criticism has been over the last few years not that Gagan press is a system that works because obviously it works in real football it was the fact that you could just plug it in and do it with any team without having to worry about their fitness levels their attributes and I think they've actually got it right much to my disappointment because when I start my non-league save and the full game is out I'm gonna have to come up with a new plan we're gonna be after doing industrial football I think <laughs> well that that's the thing isn't it it wasn't like um, I, I said this in the piece I wrote on the athletic it wasn't a magic bullet Gagan press because the reason most of my games went haywire in about April was that you know, I've been using it all season and the players were completely exhausted mm. you you still needed to have a bit of rotation, have players with stamina, have good fitness coaches. But I think it was clear that after a couple of versions of the game, you know what it's like when you play, when you know something works, you just do that thing. You don't want to experiment with anything else because losing is a kind of miserable experience. So I'm like you. I think it's absolutely the right thing. I think when I did it, I, I managed Tottenham and I had three different age levels and tried out different tactics on all of them. And the under 23s had the, the Gagan press for me. And it was hilarious because, you know, they're, they're going off like a train when you start the game and like smashing into tackles and getting the ball forward quickly. And in those last 20 minutes, you start to see the, the effect of it all, that the, mm. the, the press isn't getting switched on anymore. The passes are starting to go awry. And it's, I know that there will be loads of people who will be really angry about this. Because the f default move on a new football manager is to do what worked last year. And there's going to be loads and loads of people who will just pile in with the same tactics they had. And they're going to have like three months of just conceding late goals every single game. So it's a high risk move. But I do agree with you. I think it's the right one. Mm. And I like the fact that you just touched on it a little bit there. When players do get tired now rather than them just being more likely to get injured, which is pretty much the only impact they had up until this game, you do now start to see it more in the game. They're a little bit slower to move. Their passing starts to drop off a little bit. Their finishing starts to drop off a little bit. And it does actually have an impact that their conditioning is lowering. So you kind of are forced into making those changes because if you don't, you're going to end up with a bunch of players that suddenly not only are tired and more risk of injury, but they're not playing very well either. And if you're pressing with your entire 11, two matches a week for 90 minutes, you're going to need to make more than three substitutions a match. And again, it just forces you into thinking a little bit more about how the training ties in with what you've been doing on match day. If you've got multiple matches, it's added that extra little bit of realism that they do it every year, football manager. They add something that I didn't really realise was missing until... I do the new thing and it's like, I can't believe that it hasn't always worked like this because this seems so obvious. 
One of the things that I, I actually didn't have room to talk about in the athletic article was that the mechanics of pressing have changed. You can now set the the sort of trigger points and places on the pitch where where the pressing kicks in, but you can also link it directly to opposition players. Now I love this one because you can say as, as soon as anyone in front of the back four gets the ball, that's when we're going to press. But two, it means you can isolate people that you don't press. You can identify the bunny and their ranks. So you're going to say, oh no, he can have the ball because <laughs> I'm kind of interested to see what you can do with it. Did, did you experiment with that at all? I haven't even got on to experiment with that at the moment. I've, I'm looking at it now. I've got the game open as we're talking and I'm looking at it now and it's... This is what I mean about just kind of flailing around looking for the new features. That's one that had passed me by and I am now looking into and I'll have a play with that this afternoon. So one that you cannot ignore is the new animation engine. And while I think the, the Gegenpress nerfing is something that's going to annoy some people, it's going to delight some people, I think the animation engine is going to be like 100% everyone will go, mm. oh, yeah, that's much better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a little bit of an Erling Haaland goals compilation on one of my videos that I put out, but there's this one in particular that stands out that... It's unlike anything you would ever have seen in Football Manager before where it's kind of a ball knocked over the top and he twists his upper body round, takes it on his shoulder and across his chest, brings it down onto his left foot as he's turning his upper body and then sort of side foots and curls it around the goalkeeper low. I've never seen anything like it in Football Manager before. And it was like the third third or fourth goal I'd seen in that save and I was just, okay, yeah, this, this animation engine is just going to be full of surprises for me. That was beautiful. Now, I, again, I don't expect non-league players to be taking the ball down and scoring goals in the same style as Erling Haaland, <laughs> but that's exactly how it should be. And I think the word you used there was the perfect one, a twist. And I am no expert on coding or animations, but as I understand it, they've kind of rebuilt the way the players are are created on the game to make it more mm. lifelike. And you really notice the, the way that they twist, the way that they turn, little side foots. One thing that really screams through is you instantly know how good a player is on either foot. Mm. You know what their preferred foot is straight away because you can see them angling towards it. They play loads of passes backwards now in a far more natural way than they used to. That one, I, th I think we, could, we can give that a big, big tick. Absolutely. Because that's worked out really, really nicely. One that left me... Sounds much a little cold because it's bad, but just because I'm not really into it. The data hub that kicks in generally about three games into your league season. Talk me through that. And I'm just not really one for massive stats in football. Yeah, I think this is very much going to be one of those things where you get out of it what you put in because it's not spoon feeding you the way a lot of the other stuff in the game can do at times because you kind of have to customize it, set it up and tell it the data that you want and then that data can then be really useful some of the scatter graphs that you get in there are really really useful for example when i was in my peterborough save it was telling me how my center back mark beavers was one of the best defenders in the championship for winning headers so i tweaked around how i was using him at corners off the back of that data off of that scatter graph and he scored goals in his next three games from headers at corners because i just adjusted where I put him because the data was telling me he was so much better than the majority of the players he was coming up against. So picking out little bits like that and using it is going to be really, really cool. The new momentum graph that you get after every game as part of the data hub, 
I think is fantastic. If you are one of these people who is playing football manager whilst they're watching the telly and they're not really concentrating on the matches and they're very much just hitting spacebar almost in instant result mode, this momentum graph is really going to spell out some of the, the match engine stuff that we were talking about before. Because when you try and gag and press for a full 90 minutes, that momentum graph shows where you start off really, really strong and you watch your momentum decline and the other team get back, get back into the game as the game goes on and then you'll have a little bit of a spike when you bring your substitutes on and then you'll see the momentum swing back slowly towards the opposition again and stuff like that is just really really cool but i've only scratched the surface on the data hub like you say it only kicks in once you've played about three league matches so i've only done that on one of the saves that i've tried so far so i've only really had a play around with it on the peterborough save it just looks like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be February and I'm still finding new stuff and discovering new things that the data hub can help me with. So I think it's probably something that if you, if you're not into it, you can probably ignore it. But if you are into that kind of thing, and I think a lot of people who play football manager really love the stats. And if you are one of those people, you have got stats galore that you can customize to exactly how you want them to be. And I think work the space, put a screenshot on Twitter earlier this week of how he's customized his data hub page with about 15 graphs on one page showing different things. (laughs) And it is absurd, but it does give you an awful lot of data that you can then use to adjust your team. If you like the TIFO videos with Tom Warville trapped in a scattergram with JJ Ball, this will be absolutely your your cup of tea. Definitely. Everyone was uh, very excited, obviously, to see the wide centre-back. And uh, it's hilarious. It's a centre-back that basically plays like Frank Lampard at Chelsea. (laughs) This is one of those features that I asked for because earlier this season, I am a Peterborough fan, and earlier this season, we were experimenting with doing this. It didn't work at all for us, but we were doing it for a little while. And I tried to set something similar up in FM and obviously couldn't. But it's one of the first things I tried with the playthrough that I was doing. And it is quite cool. If anything, they're doing it a little bit too intelligently at this stage. I don't know if that's something that's going to be toned down a little for the full release or might need to be adjusted in a future patch. Because it seems at the moment like you can pretty much give that role to any defender that's got the stamina to be able to do it and they can time their runs perfectly. They balance perfectly with the centre-back who's wide on the other side when one's attacking, the other one's tucking in to make it a two at the back. And it just seems a little too functional at the moment. But seeing it in action, it's another one of those things that this is like nothing I've ever seen before in Football Manager. <laughs> if, you, if you combine that with a wing-back, you're overloading on the side without even needing a wide attacker. It's opening all sorts of tactical possibilities. And one thing I have noticed just playing the game, the AI is a lot of the time using a back three and using these wide centre-backs. So I think it's something that even if you're not into playing it at all and you don't have any interest in it, I'm a back four person, I'm never going to try this wide centre-back, you're going to need to learn about it because you're going to come up against it a lot. And what I've noticed the AI doing more often than not, is playing on just one side. So they'll have your back three, two normal defenders, one wide centre-back who's charging up and down on one side. And obviously you then have to adjust to make sure on the side where their wide centre-back is getting up there with the wing-back, you're making sure you've got enough cover to stop yourself getting overloaded on that side. And you are going to come up against it a lot. 
Yeah, it's it's a funny one. And again, just to reiterate, the, the version we played as the alpha version, I think there's going to be at least one update to the match engine before the beta comes out. Somewhere between the beta version dropping and the full version arriving on November 9th, there'll almost certainly be at least one more match engine upgrade. Mm. And then generally, a week after release, when you know hundreds of thousands of people have played it and, and sent in their observations, you get another little mini patch as well. Yeah. So... <laughs> So if it is overpowered at the start, get it while it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Remember last year's long throw-ins? Oh, get in there them. and make hay. Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. Transfer deadline day. Did you experience the, the full? Yeah, uh, I made a, I made a full that? video just on transfer deadline day, looking into the new way that it works. And I think it's really, really cool. It almost seems like the transfer AI has been tweaked towards emphasizing deadline day and making it harder. Certainly I've noticed it's harder to get rid of unwanted players before deadline day, but then on deadline day, all of a sudden you start being able to ship them out the door. And by doing that, it's kind of leaving you, if you've got a sell to buy, you're having to do your business a little bit later and you've just absolutely inundated with agent offers and able to pick up bargains on transfer deadline day as well. It kind of is mimicking what goes on in real life i've never really understood in football why so many clubs leave stuff until deadline day so i've never done it in fm i've always been a get your transfers done early kind of guy but i think the way this works man now, after my own heart everybody is and i think this is forcing people to do stuff more like how it works in real life because players don't necessarily want to move early on clubs aren't really willing to i mean we saw it this summer with harry kane to manchester city they couldn't agree a price so it just kind of went on and on and on and it might go through Christmas, it might go through next year and you've got deals that don't necessarily just get done as soon as you decide you want to do them. You have these long-running transfer sagas and I think the the way the transfer deadline day is structured now is going to lead more into that kind of stuff being replicated in-game plus they're chaotic. I'm a firm believer if you don't get all of your transfers in in the first week of January then you're doing it wrong like you've, you've got months and months to plan you should have your shortlist ready to go but if you've not been able to sell your players you don't know how much money you can spend <laughs> this, is, it's, this is what I mean it's going to force us into acting later because you're going to be stuck there with five players on your transfer list that nobody wants until all of a sudden you get to deadline day and oh look here's all the offers for them now I've got 40 million pounds to spend it's lunchtime on deadline day let's go panic shopping the agents are starting to say different things contract negotiations are a little harder aren't they I've been a a big fan of the installments over the years I did a video last year when I was managing Leicester where I had a £1 million transfer budget and did a video showing how I spent £100 million on a £1 million transfer budget just with transfer wheeler dealing and really abusing instalments. And from what I can tell so far, you're not going to be able to do that as much this year. <laughs> Clubs seem to be wise to the fact that um, just offering them, it, it's all well and good offering them £40 million for a player, but if you're not going to give them a penny for a year and then spread it out over the next three years, it's not great. They can't really reinvest that. So they're asking for more money up front. They're less likely to be kind of hoodwinked into accepting favourable deals for you as the buying club. It's going to involve some some figuring out how to best get these deals through at the best prices. Some of the stuff that has worked for a number of versions of the game now isn't necessarily going to work the same way anymore. And I think some of us are going to need a little bit of a rethink and figure out what the new way to 
try and destroy the AI is. <laughs> and anything else that, that popped out that you like the look of or that you didn't like the look of? The new team meetings, I think, are cool. The staff meeting, not the team meeting, sorry. I liked the recruitment meeting last year. I thought that was a really cool addition. And the staff meetings, although a lot of it is stuff that was already coming through as emails, I was probably not the only one who kind of just ignored those emails a lot of the time and didn't really <laughs> read them. But having it pushed in front of you as a staff meeting... I'm more aware of the young players I've got at my club now than I would be in a FM21 save because the staff meeting is making me more aware of them. If the idea of more meetings doesn't appeal to because I mentioned this on Twitter and there were several people like, oh, just what I need, more meetings. It gives you the option to just turn them off and have it summarised as an email the way it did before. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. If you like the meeting stuff, which I do, it's there and you can do it. If you're not into it, you can just turn it off and have it come through as an email. It's a Marmite thing. I think I will like it because I like to manage the under-23s and the under-18s. I like to micromanage training and stuff. So I think that's the kind of thing I like. I think there's a lot of people who will just be like, yeah, just summarise that. <laughs> I, I, I want to get on and play a game. Yeah. The conclusion of what we've seen, and again, alpha version, not finished, I think it's promising. I feel quite good about it. It doesn't, and the alpha version was in great shape anyway. It's already very playable. There'll be a few little tweaks here and there because there's so many big things that have changed in the match engine. You might want to wait until November 9th to really get cracking. But no, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I think this will be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Very encouraging signs. Kevin Chapman, thank you so much for coming on. While you're here, what have you got lined up for when FM22 drops and where can we find it? Best place to find me is YouTube, Lelujo on YouTube or Lelujo on Twitch as well. I'm going to be doing a rebuilding Arsenal save as my beta save when the beta drops. I'm going to be doing a nice little selection of tutorials and deep dives on the new features as well. And I'll come up with something to play along with everybody on Twitch as well. I'm not quite sure what my Twitch plan is yet, but I will be busy. Don't you worry. There will be plenty of content coming your way. And like I say, just search for Lelujo, L-O-L-L-U-J-O, anywhere on the internet, and you'll find me and all my content. Lovely stuff. That's Kevin Chapman, associate of the show, for now. <laughs> Until next week, probably. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. So, when we released my Football Manager 22 preview on The Athletic, it did quite well on social media, whizzed around the internet, but not everyone was happy. A couple of people complained because the, the link only gave them the first two paragraphs and then asked them to sign up for a subscription. I'm not paying to read your FM preview, someone wailed. And to be honest, I mean, I don't blame him. But you don't pay for me. You pay for George Culkin and for Amy Lawrence and for Ollie Kay and for Rafa Honigstein and Michael Cox and all the other stars in the galaxy of football writing. You pay for the coverage of all the other sports, like Connor Hughes and his coverage of the New York Jets. Yes, I support the Jets, because I can never be happy. Anyway, if that sounds like your cup of tea, well, I've got some very good news. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash fmpod, you can get a very special deal. A VIP deal, you might say. So that is theathletic.com forward slash fmpod. Have a look today. It is time for your letters, by which we usually mean emails and tweets. Get in touch with us. Just ping something to imacintosh at theathletic.com or, or, you know, follow on Twitter, Ian underscore games, which is Ian with two eyes. Producer Steve, how are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? 
Yeah, really good, really good. I, mean, I was just saying to Kevin, though, just sort of sitting here, still twitching, still waiting for... Because <laughs> when the beta version drops, I can do my own game. Yeah. Obviously, whatever we do for the Athletic, we'll wait until November the 9th. But I'm quite keen to get started now. So there's been a lot of Crusader Kings 3 in my life of late. <laughs> what have we got in the mailbag? So first up is Dave Morgan, and he writes to say, I'm thinking of dipping my toes back in the waters of the world of FM and wanted some advice on how I might be able to speed up the game and reduce the time burden in FM 22. I first got into the game in 97-98 and loved it. I dabbled with it a few years afterwards, but went traveling and settled down to stopped playing. I came back, but I'm overwhelmed by how complex it seems. Do you have any tips for speeding up the game and trimming the edges off my save time? It's a really popular question. Lots of people have this issue because you start playing this game when you're in your teens and 20s and you've just got endless hours and, uh, and then real life happens. So here's a few things that help. First of all, delegate as much as you can or as much as you want to to your staff. Like you don't have to sit there and micromanage training. Just, just set them up to do it. You don't even have to do scouting. Just wait for scout reports to come in. Tactics, just pick one off the rack. They're all not bad tactics. You can obviously, you know, when you sit there and you look at the players at your disposal, you can modify and optimize what you've got. But as long as you've got players who are capable of playing the tactic that's recommended to you, they're not going to do that badly. I would rarely advise cutting down time by reducing the highlights to key highlights purely because on key highlights, you don't really have any idea of what's going right and what's going wrong. You'll only ever see your defenders when they make mistakes, so it can give you a bit of a false read. I think there's other things to cut down before you cut down on that. It's worth noting as well that most of the time consumption comes right at the beginning. And this is where it can be really overwhelming because you load up your save, you get going, and there's just so much to do. Once it gets going, it's fine. But right at the start, it's really hard. So one way of getting around it is do an unemployed start. Just give your manager some decent stats and go on holiday until sacking season, which is usually sort of mid-October, early November. Then come back, start applying for jobs, and you just get chucked straight into the season so you don't have to do that long, slow drag through pre-season. If the time consumption is processing because, you know, you've got an older laptop, try a self-contained game. Just just load the Scottish League. That's a really good one because compared to England's seven divisions with associated youth levels, there's hardly any players in Scotland. So the computer just whizzes along. And, and hopefully all of that stuff will, will come together. Some of that stuff will come together and, and help. For me, though, the time consumption is really at the beginning. Even I find that I need four hours to properly get through pre-season. Six if I'm really doing it well. But once you're through those first months, then it's really not that time consuming at all. You can just load it up and burn through a month of fixtures in about an hour, hour and a half once everything's set up. So, so hopefully that helps. And also, if you go back through the feed, episode 19, Back to Basics, is a real crucial listen for this one, Dave, because it really strips back exactly what we're talking about, tells you where to go in terms of the various like settings to delegate. And also, as you're going through the game, the tutorial very uh, clearly offers you those options to delegate. One thing I'd look out for, though, and having experienced this myself, is um, not delegating too much, because my last save with Everton, I delegated the pre-season matches, I had to make sure I attended the games of the club I was actually managing because otherwise there was, it was, I wasn't automatically <laughs> going to be there, which would look very bad. And that can go one of two ways. On the, on the one hand, it was quite interesting to watch the coaching staff, essentially the AI, make decisions with the squad that I had and see how it compared to what I was thinking in terms of 
formation and players are put in those positions. On the other, they did put, for example, Michael Keane, who's a very good centre-back as a deep-line playmaker. So there was an element of like, what are you doing there? Definitely time to get rid of your assistant manager. I mean, it's Duncan Ferguson, though. You can't do that. He's a legend. <laughs> oh, no, in which case, keep him. New contract. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? Next up is Sean Duffy. He has two questions. First of all, he asks, have you thought about doing a video podcast? So we'll answer that in a second. And secondly, he says, I'd love to pick your brains about something. I think online saves with a friend is by far the best way to play, but I've had a torrid 6,000 hours in the past three years playing against a friend. I say torrid, I absolutely love it, but he wipes the floor with me frequently when we're head to head. Infuriating. So first question, video podcasting. So there's no plans for a video podcast at the moment. That might change in the future. But I think my, my feeling is if we're going to do it, we want to do it as well as we do the podcast, in my humble opinion. I do believe we, we, we do a decent podcast here. I don't want to just sort of cobble something together that, that doesn't work. But when it comes to doing decent videos, no one does them better than TIFO. And we are talking right now about what to do with FM22 on TIFO. And by the way, while I'm here... Get onto TIFO IRL and watch their Fixing the Super League video. It's, it's genuinely the most extraordinary thing I've seen on YouTube in a very long time. But back to the question. Online saves, I completely agree. Uh, the most fun I've, I've had on this game is playing those online games with Matt Stanger and with Alex Stewart more recently. And speaking as someone who was beaten by Alex in the Bundesliga Challenge, you have my sympathies. It's best to, I think when you're playing a human, think about it as a human conflict. Don't think about it as trying to win a, a video game. So you may have tried this already, but it, come up with a tactic built specifically to take out your friend. Find out where those weak spots are and then <laughs> exploit them. Like, what are they bad at? What can you, what can you get them on? Train specific things ahead of the game like, that maybe you don't usually do. Like, come up with a good corner routine and then do three sessions of attacking corners. Make sure you've got someone who can take good corners and big blokes at the near post. Really like prime yourself for this match. And don't be afraid to try a bit of what the Russians would call maskarovka, the deception. Just like if you play it like I played it with, with Alex and, you know, you're on a long WhatsApp call, just tell him that you've lost your goalkeeper to injury, even if you haven't, because he might immediately jump to his tactics and put himself all out attack and take shots from everywhere. Uh, start with a completely insane tactic for like 30 seconds and then turn it back to something normal. See if you can tempt him into doing something stupid. Like sit deep in a really low block, time-wasting from the first minute, really ruining it and, and lure him out and get him on the counter. Basically, get in his head and break him. And let me know what happens. Let me know how that goes. You know when inadvertently you get an insight into someone? <laughs> this is how we built Muddy Knees Media. <laughs> what what have I masked off? A <laughs> <laughs> couple of Tom Clancy books you can take over the world. <laughs> Amazing. But also as well, I mean, I say this as someone who played Monopoly with their best friend once when we were 16 and never again. His strategy still leaves a scar on our friendship to this day, um, sort of f over 15 years later. <laughs> you might want to balance a bit in terms of if you actually want to maintain that friendship. I'm more intrigued as to what your friend did. So, crucial thing, and also in fairness, you could argue it's about actually reading the rules. So in Monopoly, certainly the version that we played, and this may have changed, the greenhouses, there are a finite number 
if, for example, as was the scenario here, he had basically had a lot of properties that he could build houses on. All of the houses were on the board, so there was no, no more in the sort of spare box. And he refused to upgrade to hotels just so that me and other people playing, or me specifically, because I think I was sort of, you know how with, with Monopoly what tends to happen is one person becomes as dominant and then that can go back and forth, etc. He basically refused to build hotels so I couldn't expand on mine. And it so was, he seized he seized control of the uh, the levers of supply and demand to force a scenario in which the only possible outcome was that he was victorious. That's brilliant. But it, it, I was just so mad about it. That's the Sam Allardyce way of playing Monopoly. The thing I've always loved about Sam Allardyce is whenever anything change, whenever there's a rule change or something like that, he doesn't think about whether it's right or wrong. He doesn't think about whether it's moral or immoral. He thinks, what can I do to make that work for me? I think that's brilliant. Well, there you go. Well, um, we're finding the moral compass of the podcast as we go, I think, here. <laughs> Maybe, like, I am your conscience, Ian. <laughs> I shut my own one down years ago. I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> I've noticed, yeah. Anyway, final one for today comes from Tony Boston, and he says, still loving the shows and all of the content. Do you know if there's going to be a special club edition of FM22 like there was for 21, for example, a Southampton-specific edition or a Leicester City-specific edition? Because, as Tony says, unfortunately last year I bought the regular editions and I couldn't get the club ones without repurchasing the whole game. I look forward to more of your adventures as we navigate the depths of hell that is non-league football. So um, we have been in touch with Sports Interactive, haven't we? And they've given us an answer, in which is... Yeah, they're not doing special club editions. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty simple. That won't happen again. I presume that Tony is a South End fan as well, as he talks about the depths of hell that is non-league football. If you do fancy a, a real challenge on FM22, do have a look at South End, because I was rolling up and down their squad thinking... Oh God, they're all dreadful. It really did go a long way to explaining why the club is in the horrible state it is. If you've got any questions or observations or just if you want to talk, drop me a line. I'm Macintosh at theathletic.com or wander over to the Twitter where it's Ian underscore games. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. JJ Bull, what else do you play? I love playing Warzone. I can't stop playing Warzone. In fact, all the way through lockdown, this game basically got me through all the worst parts of it when you're just trapped alone because I got to talk to my friends all the time. I accepted my nerdism and bought a headset for Warzone. Let me tell you how it works. It's a Call of Duty game. It's free to play. It's a first-person shooter, that's what Call of Duty is, so if you are of an older persuasion, it's like GoldenEye. But what you do, you shoot people, first-person shooter, it's great, it's a walls game. So, Battle Royale thing of it, what that means is, if you remember the film Battle Royale, a load of you get chucked onto an island, this is a made-up island, but the island is made up of like a million different maps. So if you think in multiplayer all the different maps you get, Imagine all of them in one giant map and you can freely move between them. It's not like GTA you have to wait for something to load. You just go to the next bit. And so it's very strategic in that the Battle Royale is uh, built around the premise that there's some sort of poisonous gas around and it squeezes you in in a circle. So you might start off on the, the far east of the map but the circle's going to push you right in to, uh, I don't know, the middle or the northwest. And so you have to work your way from wherever you started trying to get loot and your guns and that and eventually getting your own loadout, it's called. Because you find money all around the place, you see. 
and then you can buy a loadout and the loadout drops and you can get the guns that you have set up yourself. So if you want to be a sniper, you can. If you want to go short range and shoot up with a shotgun, you can. It's kind of a bit nuts, you can do that. But um, most people are using the assault rifle and the meta changes all the time. But yeah, eventually you end up, like 150 people comes down to a lot less than that. You end up battling in the final circle and when you win, oh my god, the heart rate more than like doing any amount of exercise. It's really, really thrilling, like a horror movie sometimes. But not scary, I don't like horror movies, don't know why I said that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredibly addicting. And like I said, you get to play with your friends, doesn't matter what kind of skill level they're at. You get some who like to hide in the corner and that's how they play it. You get some who like to bounce around and do the bunny hopping, all the skills of the good players. And you get some in the middle and you tend to get put in lobbies where it largely matches you out with what your friends are. So the game works out how good you are and your squad and puts you in appropriate level lobbies. Or does most of the time. And then you get to work from there, talk to your friends, have some laughs, get really frustrated at each other for not doing what you want them to do. And that's it. One of the best games I have ever played, and I still now, like a year and a half, two years later, I keep playing it. I love it. And that's our show. Thank you so much for your lovely reviews. Uh, it does sound a bit soppy, but they really do mean so much to, to me and Steve. Uh, and, and they're helpful too, because it's all to do with algorithms. And even saying the word algorithms means that I'm out of my intellectual depth. Your guests today were JJ Bull off the TIFO and Kevin Chapman off the YouTube. Your producer was Steve Hankey and I am Ian McIntosh. Unless I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons, in which case I am Narf Von Mimsy, a level two half-elf ranger. The Athletic. <laughs>